episode 95 of the Craft Heads podcast, the podcast where my best friend Tommy and I of 20 years get on quasi-weekly, sometimes every 10 days. Right now we're trying to crank out more. Uh, and we have a topic that we talk about. We have a crafty cocktail, drink, beer, wine, whatever it is, and just discuss general bullshittery and bantering. You know what's funny? I actually um, am listening to podcasts less because I'm not traveling to work. So what's the point? Craft uh, <laughs> Heads podcast is canceled. canceled. We'll see you guys later. All right. It was, this is, it's been real. Yes, it has. We changed our minds. So... <laughs> Um, this week we are doing, I've been talking about doing a couple of like TV show recaps. We have some video game ones coming up, Resident Evil 3 in April, for example. But, uh, Tara and I recently, by the way, Tara's on this podcast. Hello. Hello again, Tara. And Claire will be present, although, uh, she hasn't seen all of this show. So welcome back, Claire. Thank you. But the show, The Leftovers, it's, uh, an HBO original series. Tara and I recently watched it because i really wanted tara to see it i absolutely adored that show it like really grew on me and aged well in my mind so we watched it recently and tommy watched it around the same time i did probably a couple of years ago yeah it wrapped up it ran from 2014 to 2017 so um before we get into the actual show uh let's begin with the cocktails mm-hmm. so i have a funny story for you tommy okay i was looking for a cocktail that was themed with something from the leftovers or like disaster catastrophe whatever which we'll get into calamity calamity that's right the word that i used earlier on the phone but i wound up going down a different path and i started thinking i have a huge man crush on justin Thoreau, mm-hmm. who is the the lead actor in the series mm-hmm. and he's got a real big penis mm-hmm. i have lots to talk about okay about his penis <laughs> okay so i was looking i was like all right i'm gonna find one that's themed around that and i found the hot pants okay which i thought was awesome but i was lacking an ingredient I found one that was, this is really lewd, and I'm going to, you'll figure it out in your head. It's called the Clam Digger. (laughs) Moving on. That's where I leave. (laughs) I found another one. This is called the Debonair Cocktail. Okay. Because he's, Justin Theroux is extremely debonair. What's debonair? Really handsome and classy and gentlemanly. Oh, okay, okay. And that word describes him perfectly. So, to Justin Theroux, nobody knows what's in this except for me. We're going to test it with Tommy. Cheers. (laughs) Cheers. <laughs> that was a good noise. It tastes like... Wow, it's very strong to the nose and not as strong to the mouth. There's peat in there, so that's scotch. Obviously, yes. Mm-hmm. Um, the second one is a little bit more awesome. Medicinal. Oof, I forgot the garnish. Ooh, that's not good. Nah, it's okay. It's, it's not going to change the entire body. Well, but... Debonair, that actually would be good for when... Um... You know, later on in the series when he's in his suit. Totally. That That's more for like the atmosphere and a little bit on the nose with the zest. Do I have a weed garnish? Because there, there is a... I, no, you don't like lemons. Oh, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> I'm still sad, but that's true. Um, so the, the scotch in there is pretty prevalent. And it has to be single. According to the uh, ingredient, it's single malt scotch. Well, is it just simple syrup? Nope. Tell me when you're ready. Uh, give me a hint. Love hints. Uh, the ingredient is usually supposed to be good for digestion. Ginger. Ginger liqueur. Uh, Very nice. Okay. So it's it's basically parts uh, two to one of single malt scotch to ginger liqueur shaken 
it, you know, and served in a frosted glass, and of course the lemon zest and peel at the end, which I dropped the ball on. But it's a little bit of it's like a Scotch Mule without the ginger beer. You did like liqueur instead of the sort beer. Of, yeah, it's it's just boozier than that. Mm-hmm. But anyways, that's the debonair cocktail. Thought that would be appropriate. So we'll start off with a real quick uh, just summary of what the show's about. It's not even a summary; it's just a single idea. Leftovers. If you've ever heard of like the old book series called Left Behind, it's sort of like about the rapture with like the end of times and a bunch of people vanishing. Uh, the leftovers is the complete, it's a nice flip on that idea. All of a sudden an, an event, which they later call the sudden departure occurs and 2% of the world's population just vanishes into thin air. Um, in most cases, it's very randomized and there doesn't seem to be any pattern to it, but every once in a while, some people get hit, especially hard including one character who loses her entire family, her husband and two young children. They call, I remember in the show, they call that um, multi, what, there's a term for the families that had multiple yeah. departures, right? It might just be that. Yeah. I, I can't remember exactly. But that that's the whole premise of the show. And then it's basically how do you adapt and move on and how do you get closure because they can't explain it. They don't know if it's going to happen again. They Every year, you know, you have this anniversary and it's like memori- or memorializing them slash mourning them and all that stuff. So the, the titular character, as, not titular, but the, the main guy that I mentioned, Justin Thoreau, is played, uh, his name is Kevin Garvey. And then there's, we can talk about lots of different other characters, but we'll start with him mainly, of mm-hmm. course. And he's the police chief of a town in uh, New York. Do you remember the name? No. Mapleton. Ah, I did. So, yeah, so I'll just quiz you because okay. I, I told Tommy he didn't have to prepare or anything. Honestly, it was going to be just me and T, but this is a good time for Tommy and I to get together be, you know, because of scheduling and everything, and I thought it would be good for him to lend his opinion and, and whatnot. But this is also, uh, it's a Damon Lindelof show, uh, and one other guy, I'm actually, uh, Tom Perota is his name. Damon Lindelof is also Lost, mm-hmm. if any of you have seen that, which... I think... Have you seen the whole show, Lost? Oh, yeah. Okay. It, I always say Credit that my, my three favorite shows of all time are Thrones, Dexter, and Lost. Okay. So, and tell me what you think about this statement. The big question of any TV show is, should I watch it? Mm-hmm. Obviously. For Lost, for me, it's a resounding no. Mm-hmm. I tell people do not watch it because after the first 50%, it continually goes downhill... It does not answer any questions. The the quality generally, it's not quite as riveting, and it has a terrible ending. Mm-hmm. So that's just my take on it. And it's extru- It's a huge time investment. So did you see Lost, Tara? No. Did you I see did. Lost, Claire? Yes. I think I I thought Lost. The first three seasons of Lost are the best television ever. So if yes. you can get over the fact that the show is not going to end like you like, and you just want to invest in those first three seasons and be like, ah, I heard that the rest isn't that great. I'm done then you can, but for my money, the first three yes. seasons of Lost. And for for that matter, Leftovers is only three seasons long. If you guys are more interested in taking a dive down the show that has a similar feel to it, but the ending, they try to wrap it up. Exactly. <laughs> so I will say that I only, just going off of what you said real quick, um, I can highly recommend The Leftovers because... It's great and riveting all the way through. All three seasons are completely different, so it doesn't get stale. And there's only 28 episodes. It's less than 30 hours of a commitment. The um, When you talk about endings to shows, that was one of the things Alex was like, I want you to watch this. And I, uh, I asked him specifically, I said, are you satisfied with the way that the show ends 
enough for me like to recommend me to watch it and he's like yes mm-hmm. so i was like okay i'll watch it with you mm-hmm. um like you mentioned like lost i never watched lost but i had a friend in high school who was like obsessed mm-hmm. with the show and never watched it and i heard subsequently it ended terribly and so many people were so upset and i'm like oh i didn't have to invest all that time yeah. into a show i hated game of thrones i think that ended very quickly <laughs> um i don't think i think if game of thrones had the budget and the time and if they drew out longer it would have been a better character development but they kind of just developed the characters in like one episode they're like here's the end yeah they just vomited through it yeah they vomited and threw it out the window they're like here you go it's over mm-hmm. we, we won't go too far off the rails but i'll say my two cents thrones is already not aging well for me mm-hmm. already yeah. i'm already like what was Thrones? yeah i mean and before it ended i rewatched it with so many people because yeah. I loved it that much that I could, and I was just like, "Hey, you, you're watching Thrones. You're on season two. I'll watch a couple episodes with you." Like I was doing that with everybody. If anybody ever told me they were watching Game of Thrones again, I wouldn't sit down and watch it. No. Oh n- no well, way! I'm done. Honestly, <laughs> I will say, and not to make us a Thrones cast, but, but there was a meme that went around. I don't know. You probably have seen it, but it was like you know titled Game of Thrones, and then underneath it, it was a drawing of a horse, and it mm-hmm. said seasons one through. Four mm-hmm. and it was just perfectly drawn, great quality. And then it had season five and six. It was like shit. Like kid knows how to draw, but not really well. And then like the final season or two seasons, it was just like stick figure horse. <laughs> yeah. And so like I and I I really I thought that, that that was a good uh, analogy. comparison yeah, analogy yeah, yeah. for because I I if someone said hey I'm watching Game of Thrones season one mm-hmm. I'd watch it mm-hmm. season two three four even I would watch all of that. Mm-hmm. But as soon as it starts, it just it's like a snowball. It just got out of control, and I was like eh. I'm done. Another HBO original series, which usually are home runs, generally. As a general rule, they're, it's it's great television. But starting with Kevin Garvey, the main character, one thing I converted Tara on, this is objective. Justin Thoreau is gorgeous. Okay? <laughs> like, he's, he's beautiful. And I couldn't convince Tara of that early on. We watched the David Lynch movie where he's a lot younger in it, Mulholland Drive. She's like, he's not that good looking. I was like, first of all, you're wrong. But he is one of those guys that I hate. Because he, as he ages, he gets better and better looking. Like and, Brad Pitt. And yes. Yeah. And uh, th- this show finally convinced Yeah, me. I'll admit. Because um, we watched Mulholland Drive. Mulholland Drive, was that it? Yeah, yeah. So we watched that and I saw him in there. And he kind of looked like a pipsqueak. <laughs> he was stuff. super young. And I was like, oh, he's not yeah. attractive. Like, he's like this weird little nerdy guy. Like, I'm just not attracted to that at all. Um, and then I saw him in this show and I was like, oh. He grew yeah. into his body. Like, mm-hmm. or so, he just grew up. I don't know. We haven't done any spoilers yet. I'll just say, if if any of this sounds interesting to you, at this point, tune out, come back later, and join us at another time, because this is a it's a really special, unique show, definitely has a cult following, and I, and I think it's worth watching, personally. So if you don't want to hear spoilers, you can tune out, uh, otherwise we'll start diving into some of that. What, would, as a very general question, Tommy and Tara, what was the biggest thing that you walked away from this show with, including maybe in regard to the ending and everything? How did it make you feel, and why was it special to you personally? I I've got a quick answer off the top of my head, but if you want, do you to go want more through. time? No, to come up. With, you can go first. All right, let me just say, um, and, and this might sound weird the way I'm saying this, but I believe parallel universes universe is. Exist, yeah. I and I always like. I mean, not saying that the show confirmed that for me because yeah. obviously it's fiction. Yeah, yeah, fiction. But um, it's maybe not. <laughs> maybe there is exactly. some truth to it. And and I feel like the the way that people react to the events happening in this show 
I feel are very realistic to yes. how it would go down in real yes. life. I, I agree with that 100%. T? Yeah. Um, and I was going to say, like, the I think the biggest thing I took away from it, too, is when the show is ending and you see Nora in the final episode and she's like, you know, everyone's obviously aged mm-hmm. and she recounts what she saw because she transferred over to the other universe plane of existence, whatever happened, recounted her tale of what happened there. Mm-hmm. And then just that whole, and then she came back. She knew that she didn't belong there and it came back. Um, you know, you look back at like however many, I think seven years take place between the final uh, episode and the very beginning of like that event taking place. Mm-hmm. And it's like, you've got 2% of the world's population gone. So obviously people have questions. They lose loved ones, things like that. Some people are unaffected. And you just kind of see like all these things devolve. And a lot of people are hung up on like the why, the the will it get reversed, like all mm-hmm. these different things. And when she comes back and gives her like recounting like the tale of what she saw on the other side, and she is just like, those people over there were thankful that there were people left that they mm-hmm. loved. Mm-hmm. And, you know, those things. And they found ways to kind of move on. And it kind of shows um, you have one side of it where people just couldn't move on and they couldn't appreciate what they still had. And you had another side where people actually appreciated things and they continued forward. And, and when Tara's talking about these two sides, she means the 98% side. The people that had 98% of the yeah, world the place, couldn't move on, but the people with 2% of the world left could. Yeah, the, the place where she went, 98% of the world's population disappeared. And mm-hmm. so it was a very obvious cataclysmic event on that part. And so people were very appreciative. So um, I think it, it just it spelled two different messages that, you know, no matter what happens whatever calamity is afflicting you as a person or society as a group of people, you have two choices. You can either lament and always wonder why and be stuck, or you can thank God you still have what you have and, you know, make steps to move on. And it, I kind of relate it to the book who moved my cheese. If you've ever heard or read of that, Mm-mm. but it's a very similar thing where, and I encourage people to read this too. It's like a plug for this book. Um, while you're bored with coronavirus, <laughs> but in Who Moved My Cheese, you've got four different characters and they're all living in this like one little area and suddenly someday someone takes the cheese and it's gone mm-hmm. completely. Two of the things there are mice. They immediately leave because mm-hmm. they're going to go find cheese and two other people are sitting there like, where's my cheese? Who moved my cheese? Like, when's the cheese coming back? What's going to happen? And they just complain the whole time and then they finally go find their cheese. Like they finally go somewhere else. And so... I think that was a very important message I took away from the show is like you can either be stuck where you're at or you can either move on in a different trajectory. So there's, I don't know. That's good. That's good. I think that's a really good takeaway and yeah. very introspective. So anybody who's at this point either has seen the show or you just don't think you're going to watch it, but moving backwards from the the big reveal, the big twist of the show is, of course, as we mentioned, in, in, in the show that you're following in that world, 2% of the people vanished and then there is a machine that is developed that allows people who for whatever reason especially people who had those in their family who departed mm-hmm. they figured out a way to blast them with a certain kind of radiation can't remember what it's called at the moment but it sends you over to wherever they went in quotes and they don't know if it just deatomizes you and sends you into oblivion or whatever or if it's safe or if it's dangerous or if it's a planet or whatever it is, it just sends you where they went. And as it turns out, it's another plane of existence where it's the exact opposite. And so it's like Tara was saying, it really teaches you a lesson in perspective. 
you've got all these people and it's like, well, thank God only 2% of us disappeared. Whereas in this other deserted, vacant, dead, like vestige of a world, there's only 2% left. And as a result, they appreciate each other more and they're more knit, uh, tightly knit together and all that stuff. And they, they find solace in each other. So that's, that was my big takeaway was it just really, really reminded me, not taught me to always be appreciative of, of the people in your life, you know, because honestly, I thought this episode would be timely because of coronavirus right now. Like, uh, I think Tara told me today, and by the way, it's March 22nd, uh, 2020 as of recording. Yeah. (laughs) Timestamp. And like, I, I think some people are projecting and who knows if it'll happen that like as many as 2 million people in the United States could die. And that's, that's just probably under a little bit under 2%, right? Mm-hmm. How many 200 some million in the 1%, 1% would be 3 million. So it's a little under so there's 1%. So other 300 million people. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. So it's it's pretty crazy. And I mean, again, this this isn't like the sudden departure, but it's a very sudden onset. It's happening very quickly, you know what I mean? So it's it was just a good uh, lesson in reminding you to be appreciative and also another thing, the whole show and I'm a sucker for this stuff very very heavy spiritual overtone mm-hmm. not necessarily i mean there are it, there's definitely religious aspects of it including one of the main characters matt jameson but it's a very spiritual show and i actually know a good friend of mine um josh simon who he was the one that got me into it mm-hmm. actually he told me to watch it way back in the day and he's not a spiritual person at least as far as i know i, I would say at at best he is an agnostic but it really struck a chord with him, you know, and he's moved him to tears a couple of times. Definitely. I get moved by certain types of media shows, movies, whatever. Leftovers brought me to tears multiple times. Oh, yeah. I don't mean like, Ugh. I just mean, you know, you get the tear in your eye, mm-hmm. you know, that kind of a thing. So that's, that's my big takeaway. There's two really big, uh, storylines in the show. And it's, it's one is, um, how the families are coping with, this obvious tragedy that has happened. Mm-hmm. And then the other storyline is is Kevin and Nora's relationship and if they can make it work. Totally. And I mean, those are like two of the, you know, you're either, you're wondering how they're dealing with this and, you know, the other um, aspects of people that are, <laughs> I feel like I've just really messed that sentence up. There's a, uh, it's, it's the debonair. The, <laughs> <laughs> One side of the show is just, you know, as you were saying, the religious and spiritual aspect and how and, and, and the people that are moving, changing their lives to try to cope with this. And then you also have Nora, who is, as we were mentioning earlier, she's a multiple departure. I think she was the only one. And from the her odds family. are one in 120,000 or something. And she hit this death lottery. Yeah. So if you if you have four people in your family and three out of four of you disappear... Just it's two percent times two percent times two percent. It's an 2% ungodly permutation. Times ninety-eight percent, right? Yeah. So you just do the math there, and uh, but and Nora ends up finding um, Kevin who lost his wife, right? No, who he, he lost lose... that chick he was cheating on. Oh, he, he was yeah, he, he was, was in the cheating of and fucking her, and then she and he's banging her, and she and he's oh. just like. The, the way they show it on screen is, like, really chilling. And they didn't actually do that until, like, one of the second or third to final episodes. You mean showing? Showing yeah, the actual Yeah, it was later in the show. Definitely second half. Because least. his children are, like, in that circle and they're all holding hands. Yes! And then all of a sudden, it's like, a few of the people in the yeah. circle disappear. You're right. It's definitely third season when they show the departure and what everybody was doing and happening. Yeah. Oh, my God. And 
And Kevin's wife, uh, Lori. Oof. Yeah, Lori? nice. Yeah. Nice. Lori, her unborn child yeah. in her womb on the ultrasound disappears. She watches it vanish in yeah. front of And like, I also liked that because I, you know, not making any big statement here. I believe life mm-hmm. it begins at conception and that show is kind of like that's a life you know mm-hmm. what i mean that, which is funny because it's like a big you know hollywood production but i think it's really cool that they sort of lumped that in it's like that's another vanished soul right there um and big spoiler going to the last episode again tara no no, no keep no, going no. i have right. i'm marking mentally all right good we'll come back to it real quick <laughs> i just since we already talked about it and we've kind of talked about the ending uh nora losing her entire family you know she's really tore up and People, the people approach her, the people that are building this machine to send her to the other side, in quotations. Uh, you know, it's like her multiple seasons. She's like, I will never do this. It's so dumb. You're just killing people. But finally, she's like, I have nothing else to live for. I'm going to try it. If I die, I die. If I don't, sure. then I get to see him. Yeah. So, and then like, I think it's like the second to last or third to last episode. They send her, they, they kill her. You know, everybody says their goodbyes to Nora. But then in the very last episode, as you guys are talking about, it's like seven years later in the future, and Nora's there. And you and you don't you can't really tell if she where she is. She's like in a different land that we haven't seen the landscape before. But it, you come to realize that Nora got sent to the other other side. And then once she got there, as Tara was saying, saw her family through the window. They were they were together and they were really lucky and she didn't want to interrupt that or like bring Havoc to them. Right. So she's now on the other side, spends time rebuilding the machine. With the guy who built it. With the first the guy, guy who built it was the first to go through. And she finds him. She finds him, rebuilds the machines, and gets sent back to the to the shit world. or Which is kind of like a double entendre because it's yeah. the 98% world or whatever. Yeah. So anyways, Tara, what were you going to say? Well, I was just going to say, like, Al and Al. So for me, I didn't think of it more as like a multiple universes i thought of it more as as soon as the sudden departure happened there was a shift in whatever space time was and at that particular pinpoint moment everything just kind of phased separately mm-hmm. and it took two percent this way and 98 percent this way and it kind of just like went like it was that. a fork it was a fork yeah. and so um in the space time continuum so this doesn't make work. sense so if, if Lori was pregnant and her like half partially developed baby ah. got like ripped through time into a different place like in some doctor office there's a baby like that's there's not a even clump. a lot like formed like right. lying on the ground there's a clump lying on the ground somewhere like that's just crazy that's true about. so or like, maybe he got sent to another woman's yeah. womb that got also yeah. sent also over there absolutely that's a good wild yeah. but like i, I and i really that. liked that part of the show like once you kind of think about it it's like okay at that particular juncture in time a fork happened and people went that way and people went that way. Mm-hmm. They're all still alive. There's no like other human, but I don't know. It, 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 so, I really like the execution of everything. Back really... to back to what Tommy was talking about, where they show Nora like a, a, in a strange area, a different landscape, you know, and she's she's aged mm-hmm. very far. That's the first episode of season three, and then they go back and explain uh, yeah. it at the. I'm sorry, I said that right. The the last episode of season three is whenever they show where she is and what because a lot of time has ha- uh, passed mm-hmm. since she went through the machine and then came back and the way that they tie that together it's really cool every season actually starts with something that they then explain at the end of that season I noticed I didn't mm-hmm. notice that the first time around I just really enjoyed the the format of, of how they did that and again it's something I only noticed on the second time through 
But uh, and another thing I wanted to talk about are a couple of episodes. I have another question Favorite for you. Favorite episodes. Oh, yeah. yeah. A couple questions for you guys. And also just another theme in the show. There are a lot of poignant moments in it. Ones that like really hit you hard and make you think about stuff. But sprinkled throughout that, a lot of dark humor. Mm-hmm. Like very dark humor. And one of the things that I thought was, was the funniest was, you know, you have this... Nora, she is just, she's practically a basket case. She actually got very frustrating at times. And understandably, you got to give her a little bit of credit (laughs) here, a little bit of slack. And this one company and and woman keeps calling her on her cell phone in season two. And she's like, please don't hang up. We need to talk to you, yada, yada. Finally, after resisting, Nora gives her the time of day. And they're like, we know what happened. Do you want to know what happened? And she's like, yeah. And they say, we believe that the demon Azrael has possessed you and is living in your body and and you are a lens and you cause people around you to and and she just is incredulous and hangs up and just starts laughing and she's like god damn it you know like i i actually gave this time this woman the time of day and it's there's these total like religious kooks like mystics or something that think that they and who knows maybe that is what happened but i love those moments in the show that um they they take something that's very very serious and then they make you laugh with some sort of an explanation like that here, here's one thing in that show that I mean, they I feel like they do a really good job of uh, trying to explain the other side and whatnot, but but somehow Kevin in the show becomes Jesus. Yeah, he, he right? becomes it's like he's like the second coming of Christ. Yeah, so that was kind of weird that, mm-hmm. that they took this path in the show because several times throughout the show they like kill Kevin actually kill him Mm -hmm. and he goes to the other side which is not talk about the best episode that's not it's not the other side that nora actually goes to it's like literally like the death plane or whatever afterlife the afterlife and he fights his way back to come to to like rebirth himself in the real world but it's some it sounds really weird but those are some of the best episodes because they can really get wacky with some of the material and uh, if alice you want to Tara, you want to take it from here? Well, and the one thing I was even going to say too, so you have this, the whole premise of the show is obviously sudden departure. People are gone. They're somewhere. We don't know if it's heaven, hell, or they've just been whatever, or if they've been taken someplace. When it turns out they did go somewhere else, like they're alive in a different plane of wherever on a different earth. But I love that Kevin's whole second coming of Jesus and constantly going into death realm and coming back and resurrecting has nothing to do with where these people went. So mm-hmm. he's literally just going to like purgatory or wherever the hell that is. He's just doing, he's not doing anything with anything else. He's like on his own mm-hmm. little side quests. It's <laughs> just so funny. Well, and know? there's a reason for that. So one thing that we haven't even touched upon and we can't, you know, cover everything is the guilty remnant. Mm-hmm. So, and that's going to lead into another question. Be thinking about this. I wanted to ask you guys what your favorite season is. One, two, or three. Season one is in Mapleton, New York. And it focuses uh, on Kevin's family and the guilty remnant. Second season is in Miracle, Texas. Uh, Jarden, Texas. They call it Miracle because there were no departures from that town. And that's with the the black family next door. The Evie. Yeah. Evie. Yeah. Evie. Oh, my God. What's her last name? Shit. Yeah. I'll come back to it. Um, but it's, it's with that family as well in that town. And then the third one mostly takes place a lot in Australia. Mm-hmm. In Melbourne. Australia, I think. Season three for me. That was my favorite I rem- by far. That is definitely the craziest. That was very profound. And I, um, yeah. 
there was a lot of cerebral stuff going on. There That's was. That's why I liked it. But back to the Guilty Remnant, the, the leader of the Guilty Remnant cult, at least in Mapleton, her name's Patty Levin, and she winds up dying and sticks to... Claire fact-checked for us. Thank you, Claire. It's uh, Murphy was her last name, the, the family in, in, in Miracle. But anyways, the... Patty Levin from The Guilty Remnant, she dies, she actually kills herself, and then she's following around Kevin Garvey like a ghoul, like hanging on him, and only he can see and hear her, and he goes out on this quest to remove her from his existence, because he's going like insane. His father, the ex-chief of police, he went through the exact same thing, and uh, in Miracle, there's this guy tied to the Murphy family that he can go to where he... He dies to enter that afterlife and then has to do like spiritual war with Patty Levin and kills her in that whole episode. And that is one of the, this is the episode Tommy was talking about, one of the best episodes of television period I've ever seen. It's season two, episode eight, and it's called International Assassin. Do you remember how amazing in the whole show, but especially, do you remember the the same music that they kept repeating? Mm-hmm. It? Oh my God, so good. So that was the first episode that they had in that afterlife, but fantastic little side quest, I, I, um, as Tara so eloquently put it. And then in season three, they sort of do a part two of that afterlife, where it's the sec- it's the penultimate episode. So it's the the most powerful man in the world, and in parentheses, and, and his identical twin brother. So in that one, Kevin once again goes to the afterlife, and. He is the president of the United States, and he's also like the leader of the Guilty Remnant, uh, and they're, they've like taken over the world practically. And one of the, we'll, you, we'll get to the scene in that episode that I remember you and I just loved, and it was really crazy. But another thing about Justin Thoreau in these dick jokes is Tom Perota and Damon Lindelof, after women were like swooning after seeing Justin Thoreau in the first season, might have been first the episode. First, first episode, he was in jogging pants and he has a very nice package flopping around. <laughs> and once they saw the internet talking about it, the second time that they did that, it got even bigger. Do you know why? The second time they did what? They, they, put made, him in... they made him wear like three pairs of underwear. Oh, no, I didn't do So that. There, there are three jokes that they played on him. And Justin Thoreau was like, Jesus Christ, like throughout this whole thing. Like yeah. They would hand him scripts and there was one where... Uh, they handed him a script and he said, fuck you, like jokingly to them, you know, because he's just like, this is bullshit. That was the first thing, the unaware. That was in season one. In season two, there is a scene where, so it's in International Assassin and it's when he is sent to assassinate Patty Levin and he's getting frisked by this one security guard. Do you remember this one? Uh, the, in the International Assassin, so this is season two? Yes. No, I don't. Okay, so this guy is frisking Kevin Garvey, and, or Kevin Harvey, as uh-huh. he's called in the afterlife. Yeah. And, you know, he does the full body one, and then he reaches up in between his legs, you know, like, check for weapons. And he stops on his crotch, and he looks up at, at Kevin and says, congratulations. <laughs> yeah. So good. I know the third one. Yeah, and, and, and I'll let you tell it, but yeah. I called this one. I remember... I think Tommy made me watch it with him because he said this episode was so crazy. He's like, I want to be there whenever you're there. And it was so off the wall and unlike anything I saw 
you know, in, in basically any show, especially one that's so serious, usually. But I was like, oh my god, he's going to do this. And it happened two seconds later. You can say what it was. Is it the the biometric scanning? Yes. Okay, so to get in, Alex mentioned that he had a twin brother in the, in the uh, afterlife of the second to last, the penultimate episode of the show. Uh, his twin brother needs to break into like this secret base where the president's being held, the president being Kevin himself. But his biometric scanning, he like has to do the eye checks and then like fingerprint. But then a final biometric scan is this little flap of metal flops out and it's like he has to scan his dick. Yeah. And obviously like they're identical brothers. So he has to flop out his wiener and place yeah. his package onto this to get in. And obviously it passes and that's how the door opens. Well, for... it, and it's it was hilarious because I saw the device on the wall and before he even pulled it down, I jokingly said, I was like, oh my God, they're going to like scan his dick or something. And it, they pulled it down and I see this like rod shaped scanner. I was like, oh my God. And here's a great thing. Another piece of trivia. Whenever he actually flops it down, there's a thumping noise. <laughs> I read an old tweet, I think, from Damon Lindelof or Tom Perota. They said to achieve that, they dropped a a ferret onto a quilt. A living ferret. Oh my god, now I, I have I to can't hear remember. this again. One of the two was wet. I don't mm -hmm. know if it was a wet ferret or a wet quilt, but I just loved that that's how they achieved the sound. And the best thing is what the security, the bodyguard said at the time. Uh, whenever he said, like, you know, you have to do this, uh, Kevin Harvey's like, no way. are you fucking kidding me? Yeah. And he was like, well, anybody can, you know, go through facial reconstruction and change their eyes and everything else and then he says but nobody's gonna go to that length <laughs> literally that exact quote and it was just it was amazing that was the last um, the final and the most powerful dick joke that i was a huge fan of in that show. yeah i think i feel like they just wrote that entire scene around it as like a final like, totally like a send off like oh, the final dick joke yeah and we've made a whole scene around it goodbye like, but for me we season. had a great great filming but the last thing about that episode and and where that culminates is it basically the president kevin harvey is in like this underground bunker because the end of the world is coming they're going to launch nukes and all this crazy shit that's going on because that's what the guilty remnants goal was all along was to just like make everybody give everybody what they wanted, which was in their mind, like to be released of their pain and suffering and whatnot. And the only fail safe was something that they called in the show called the Fisher protocol, where any president that wants to launch to be, to initiate nuclear war in order to pass an ethical test, you have to kill another person who had voluntarily had like the nuclear key embedded up in their chest by their heart or something like that and it winds up being kevin harvey's identical twin and it's just so cool because they wind up doing this scene in the brilliance of the show writing they play it's the beach boy song is it god only knows shit yeah that's what it, yeah yeah, yeah. It, it's god only knows thank you for that and I mean, just think about those lyrics. God only knows what I'd be without you. It, the whole scene is so surreal because he is digging into the other Kevin Harvey's. I mean, it's very graphic. Tara I couldn't watch it. I, I had to put my hand up and like. Yeah, it's it's brutal. Anything I watched, I, I saw like the, the Kevin Harvey doing the killing. He'd get like a, a blood splatter on his face. I'm like, okay, I, that's fine. But then like the rest of it was just so graphic. I was like, oh, I can't do this. It was it was seriously order. fantastic. But that that last question that I did mention to you guys. I, I heard your answer, T. You said third season. Mm -hmm. Was your favorite season one, two, or three? 
Tommy. I think I think it was either it was probably three as well. I can all three of us probably agree. Two was my least favorite. That was the one. The Miracle Texas season. Yeah, and it that was wasn't. My least favorite. It was not bad. It no, was amazing. It was, yeah. But like one was really unique and set the stage and like the dude that he kept seeing. They were shooting the dogs and like Kevin Garvey's life is falling apart and it was you know in the guilty remnant being introduced. That was just really fascinating. Three, all the cerebral stuff. Mm-hmm. A lot of the. Um, the crazy afterlife in Australia. Kevin's the second coming of Christ. Matt, Reverend Matt Jameson wrote a, go- a new gospel about him. Mm-hmm. Two was necessary and great. I just think it was the least riveting of all three. Yeah. Especially because yeah. I, there were some characters I really like. I thought Evie Murphy was really annoying. Yeah, uh, I don't know why. I just I just really didn't like her. So, um, but I mean, but it was still an amazing season. I think my favorite. Uh, episode was watching the guilty remnant that are hanging out in the uh, welcome center of Miracle get drone strikes. Yeah, get so, bl- like just fucking. Was that the end of two or beginning? Of I three? thought it was the beginning of three. I don't know if it was the first episode or the second episode, but one of the beginning episodes of three, you see the drone strike on the guilty remnant that are like habitating that building. Mm-hmm. And then everyone's like, oh, no, it was this, it was that. And, like, they're like, oh, we all know what happened, but we have to say that this happened. Like, we have to pretend because they're crazy people and they're yeah. literal terrorists. They like, said it was a natural gas explosion or, yeah, or like, a pipeline, yeah, like but everybody knew it was actually a drone yeah. strike. Because I love how intense the uh, the ATF, the Alcohol, Tobacco Federation, is. Is that, is that what it is? Alcohol, alcohol, tobacco, and firearms. <laughs> Federation, what the fuck is wrong with me? Alcohol, tobacco, firearms. Leave it. Um, (laughs) Thank you. Do you remember that one conversation that one of the guys from the ATF calls Kevin Garvey? And and they're having having a conversation and then it gets really dark really fast. And he's like, all you have to do is say the word. He's like... And we'll come eradicate. We'll take care of them. Eliminate them. We'll we'll come kill all of them. Mm -hmm. And Kevin Garvey's like, Jesus. Like, (laughs) are you serious? No, it's, it's weird because... You know, call if you carry it out to its logical conclusion. You look at, uh, like for example, it reminds you very, puts you in mind of um, David Koresh's Branch Davidians. Mm-hmm. You know, could, cults can get very, very out of control. But uh, the, the whole thing was just really crazy. Um, and, would... and also, uh, real quick on the season discussion, even though we all seem to like one and three better than two, the best episode was still International Assassin, which is in season two. So yeah, I like a strong that. Point. The one thing I was gonna say is I like. Um all the different depictions of how people deal with their spirituality, either be it by an organized religion, like a church or something like that. Um, You have a cult following that develops. You have um, like the prodigal son where you, you know, you start off and we see this, um, this one guy who hugs people. He's like, let me take your pain. I I don't remember his name. And then eventually you see um, Tommy, the one son of, of Lori, her first child he ends up doing that, but it's just a way for them to either, you know, make money or just, you know, help people in not like a, a shitty way as a guilty remnant, like not a cult per se. But it's just, it's so interesting how you see how different people need certain things based on what they want. Yep. It's just very, yep. very fascinating. Another good episode that, that I think was probably my favorite since you guys both said your favorite episode. My favorite episode was the Sex Cruise 
episode. Oh, that was wild. Okay, wild. thank you. Thank you for giving me a, a segue. Yeah. I'm going to end with a joke okay. at the very, very end. Are you going to say the joke? Oh, yeah. I was hoping you would. All right. Oh, yeah. Don't worry. So to get on to the... So there's an episode where the, all of the uh, airliners are shut down because there was... A bomb threat, a or nuclear, a, a nu- a in the Pacific, a nuclear yeah. threat. So, uh, but but the crew, the main characters of the show, have to get from one Tasmania? country, Tasmania, Australia. to Australia. So they have to take a cruise or uh, like ferry. A, a, a ferry, yeah, from from there to there. And uh, but this boat was like a scheduled uh, sex cruise where anything, big orgy, anything goes on the yeah. cruise as far as like people just fucking wherever they want to go. And uh, to get on, Matt, who was the religious man of the show, had to tell a joke. Well, and it's right? good because he's uh, he's an Episcopalian. What I was the reason that he had to say the joke? But they they were basically like, "You're not on this this registry, and if you're not on the registry, we're not letting you on. You're not one of us." Because it, it was like their own little sex call. They, they literally they literally worshipped a lion whose name was Fraser. Yeah, and, which is great. Prove and, his lewdness. Yeah, there you go, and Tara. she said, "Okay, what's the filthiest joke you know?" And and then the great thing was, Lori starts telling a joke, which uh-huh. I had to look up the ending to. Uh-huh. Okay, so I can't remember if this is the exact one, but it looks like the punchline is correct. So here we go. So a panda walks into a bar. He asks the bartender how he can get a little action for the night. The bartender motions to a young woman. She talks to the panda, and they go to her place. After having sex, the panda abruptly leaves. Next what? Next night. The woman goes to the panda's house and says, you owe me money. For what, he says. The woman rolls her eyes and explains, I'm a prostitute. The panda pulls out a dictionary and looks it up. Prostitute has sex for money. The panda says, I don't have to pay you. I'm a panda. Look it up. She's about to protest when he hands her the dictionary. The woman looks up panda and reads, panda eats bush and leaves. <laughs> Which, I love that. Pretty great. So, But that's it's not even that filthy. Um, I'll save the punchline. Of course, uh, I told you I'll end the episode with the actual joke that that Matthew tells. But God, there were just so many other things we can't possibly cover at all. Do you remember even on the on that orgy sex cruise? Do you remember the guy who claims to be God? Mm-hmm. And then he—that's why I like that episode. He kind of is, yeah, because <laughs> he's a recurring. He shows up in the afterlife. Mm-hmm. He. He whispers things uh, like he whispered something into Kevin Garvey's ear on the bridge in Miracle in the afterlife and said, well, they don't tell you what he says all the way until like the end of the show. And I think he says, you're the most powerful man in the world Mm -hmm. or something like that. But um, second time he goes, he's at the bar and he's like, you got to sing. And I was like. I bet that guy's God. Yeah. Ever yeah. since the show is portraying to get out of the hotel, that yep. was the only way he had so to get he goes out. Up but and does karaoke? Yeah, I, uh, I'll stick by what I said. We can't cover everything, so I'll just end with the joke. If you don't have a sense of humor, leave now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'd second that. And for the record, I'm Catholic, so Matt says, "What's the difference between a pimple and a priest?" He likes sighs and says, "A pimple waits until you're 12 to come on your face." <laughs> Thanks for joining everybody. (laughs) 